Yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 280, and I am coming to you from the kitchen table in the Bell family quarantine headquarters, sending you love. It just feels like it's time for a sermon. So this episode is a sermon, and it's called Nothing and Everything. I first came across this phrase in this letter in the New Testament, like a letter written from some people to some other people thousands of years ago, and well over a decade ago, I came across this one little phrase, and it just lit me up. It, it changed the game. And you know that thing that you come across and it just tilts everything? And you think, wow, whoa. It just sort of blows you away. But then now I'm what, 10, 12, 15 years later. Um, and, it, and oddly during this time that we're all in, I found it like looping back around for me and taking on all sorts of new meaning and significance. So... Uh, I want to walk you through this one little section of this letter and that sort of builds up to this phrase, and then we'll take this phrase and we'll just go with it and we'll see where it takes us. Now, the letter was written by a man named Paul and his friends to some other friends in a city called Corinth. This is, uh, apparently there are a number of letters. We have two of them. One of them is called, wait for it, Second Corinthians, although probably it was like the third letter between them somehow. Um, but I'll read you just a little section, um, just to get that, like, and uh, sort of paraphrase some of it, just to get you up to this one phrase. So he's writing to his friends, and he says, "We commend ourselves to you in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, because all those things were actually happening to this man and his friends. They'd been through it." In that, but then he switches gears. So beatings, imprisonments, riots, but then we also commend ourselves to you in purity, understanding, patience, kindness, spirit, and sincere love in truth and the power of the divine. And then a little while later, he says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, and yet we're being regarded as imposters. We're known, and yet we're regarded as unknown. We're dying, and yet we live on. We're beaten, and yet we are not killed. We are sorrowful, yet we are always rejoicing. We are poor, yet we are making many people rich. We are having, we have nothing, and yet we possess everything. <laughs> I am telling you, Oh, the poetry of it alone, having nothing and yet possessing everything. So this fella and his friends have been through it. Riots, imprisonments, beatings, torture, hunger, sleepless nights. He says, I mean, we're, we're, like, we're known to you and yet we get treated like we're nobody. We're genuine, we're the real thing, and yet we're treated as imposters. He says we're uh, beaten, and yet they haven't killed us yet. 
we're sorrowful, but yet we're always rejoicing. We are so poor, yet we are making many rich. We have nothing, and yet we possess everything. Oh, man, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Now, uh, we're going to go all over the place here because it, that section starts with that, we commend ourselves to you. It's like we're giving ourselves to you, and here's all the things that are happening in the gift that we're giving each other, giving you. Some of it's really, really brutal and difficult, and some of it is triumphant and euphoric. And then he wraps like like crescendos with this, we have nothing, and yet we possess everything. Now, uh, here is the insight that I stumbled into forever ago that has just grown and grown and grown for me over time. It's the difference between ownership and possession. Because when he says having nothing and yet possessing everything, he is making a distinction there between ownership and possession. You can own something, but not possess it. And you can possess something, but not own it. Ownership and possession are two different things. There is an art museum near my house, LACMA, Los Angeles County Museum of Art. I love it. But if you go in the main entrance and you go left to the modern art wing, which is always where I go, main floor, far left, there is a giant open room that is devoted to one sculpture that is 70 feet long, and it's somewhere between 100 and 200 tons in weight. It was made by the artist Richard Sarah, who's a sculptor, S-E-R-R-A. Do me a favor, pause the Robcast, go to uh, Google Images, do Richard Sarah, and then just type in band, B-A-N-D, and you'll see it. Uh, it's in the Broad Gallery at Logma. Lachma. Oh my, this piece, it is a massive piece of, uh, I'm assuming iron, uh, metal, shall we say, and it winds around like, like a band, its name. And you can walk along it. You can walk into the curves. Uh, it's got to be 20 feet tall at least. There is a bench at one end where you can sit and just take it in. It has, this sculpture has a, it's like an energy to it. You know when you, when you first come across a mountain range on like a road trip? And the, the mountain range isn't moving, you are, and yet it has a, it's like a contained energy to it. It's like a, a movement that's not moving. It's, it, it's like, a, it's got some sort of life force within it simply because of its size and grounding, because of its massiveness and density. That's what it is about this sculpture. I'm, I swear to you, this thing, it just, it just grabs you. It just bowls you over. It sort of blows your mind and your heart. It's almost like you can, if you're in the room with it, um, it, it's like doing something to you. Now, I do not own that's, <laughs> that sculpture, obviously. Where would I put it? But there is a possession. I don't know if I'm possessing it or it's possessing me. You, you can possess something and not own it. 
You can be possessed by something and there is no ownership in play. It does something to you. You find yourself taking it in, in some way. About 15 years ago, we were in New Zealand and these people who were taking us around said, hey, we know these, uh, this family who built this beautiful house and they built a house so that other people could come visit their house and have a transcendent experience of beauty in their house. So they just invite strangers to come walk through their house. And we were like, what? So do you want to go see it? And I'm like, oh, of course. So we go over to see this house and we, sh we pull up and it's like, a, it's like a cube. It's like a glass and white cube. And these lovely people come outside and they say, hi, welcome. I think they call it the house of light. W welcome. We, we built this place. And they did like a little couple sentences that was completely enchanting and welcoming. Like, we would love to just show you our house. We built it so that people could experience something. And then they took us through this house. And I'm telling you, it, it was, I actually realize now it was a seminal moment for me. It, it was when I first began to understand how central architecture is to everything, how architecture is shaping our souls, that, that one of the first places you look to even understand a spiritual vision for life is architecture, these spaces that we inhabit, which is not even about money or wealth. It, it is about the understanding of how physical structures are constantly working on us and shaping us, and communicating to us, and telling us things. And as you become aware of architecture, you begin to see it everywhere. You see it, well, in, in spaces people live in, you see it in public spaces, you see it on websites, information architecture, you see it. But I realize now that was when I first began my love and obsession and understanding of the importance of architecture. I don't own that house in New Zealand, obviously, but there was a possession going on. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. You can own something and not possess it. You can possess something. It's beauty, it's truth, it's edges, it's voice, it's wonder. You can possess that without ever even crossing your mind to own it. This is, the, you've actually experienced this. Have you, um, in the travel cliche, the first world to third world travel cliche, have you heard this one? Um, my guess is you have. A person from first world developed wealth country setting with all their basic needs met goes to a third world setting and meets people who live in dirt floored shacks. Is this you or somebody you know? And then they come back and friends say, how was your trip? And they say, oh, you wouldn't believe these people have next to nothing. They're so poor. They live in these little shacks. They just scrabble together these meals, and yet their eyes, it's like they were dancing with joy. It's like they had a vivacious, infectious, contagious love of life that was just so, it's like we came there thinking, have you heard this before? Do, am I sounding like 9,000 people you've met, we went there thinking we were going to give them something, but they're the ones who gave us something, right? Right, right. Here's why that cliche is so popular, because it's true. See, what you were experiencing in that cliche, when somebody goes and encounters people who have what they consider to be nothing um, and feels all sort of pity and sorrow, and they went trying to help, but then they were the one who ends up getting help and discovered that these people had something they didn't, was the difference between ownership 
and possession. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Now, ownership is vitally important. Proper sewage system, a roof over your head, uh, clean water. We're not discounting the importance of owning these things. These things are absolutely vital for human thriving. But when you hear somebody do that travel cliche, and it's a cliche because it's true, what you were experiencing is somebody realizing, oh, there's an entirely other field you can play in besides ownership. There's something else to life than simply ownership. And in fact, you can actually own lots of things and yet be possessing or missing out on something about the the most vital essence and significance of life itself. Exactly. 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 Yeah, dying and yet you live on. Right? You're poor yet making many rich in the ways that it actually matters, a richness of soul and spirit and experience. There's a difference between ownership and possession. You can own a marriage license. It gives a date and a time and a location where you and somebody else entered into a binding legal agreement involving whatever your possessions in your life together, and yet not possess the wonder and joy and transcendent mystery of sharing your life with someone, a back and forth, a dynamic give and take where you're endlessly getting to know each other, giving yourself to the well-being of this other person as the two of you grow together. Uh, As you go new places you never could have imagined the two of you could go together. Yeah, yeah, so you you can own a marriage license and yet not be possessing that wondrous alchemy that happens between two people when they walk together year after year after year in love and fidelity. Yeah, there's a difference between ownership and possession, between having something and then possession or allowing it to possess you. A bit more refinement. Here, let me, let me try refining possession just a bit more. Here's another way of thinking about possession or possessing everything. Possessing everything is when you have a largeness of spirit that inhales the goodness of life as you encounter it in all its vast depth and variety. Ah, I like that one. Let me try that again. To possess everything is is to have a largeness, a wideness, an expanse of your spirit that inhales and absorbs and affirms and celebrates the goodness of life wherever and whenever and however you encounter it in all its vast depth and diversity and variety. (laughs) You like that one? Yeah, because for many people, uh, life is evaluated by surfaces. See, See, ownership and possession raise questions. How do you evaluate your life? Because we live in a system that has indoctrinated millions and millions of people in an external evaluation system of ownership that tends to stay focused on surfaces. What do you have? What do you own? What have you achieved? What's in your garage? Money, all of the standard cliches. But the problem with an evaluation of life that is only based on external ownership 
as it tends to stay focused on surfaces, failing to penetrate the depths of experience. Because you and I know, there are, if we go back through our lives, the moments when we felt, mo felt most, mo most alive, when we tell those stories, it's, it's rarely about what we were owning in that moment. It's more about being caught up in a particular quality of experience in which we are overwhelmed or, or caught up in a goodness, in a movement, some sense that it was a story was unfolding and we got to be a part of it. Something that went way, way beyond what we own. This is why looking around at what other people own will generally bring about some form of misery. Now, in a, in a second, there, there is a game you can play there. You can advance player move that and have it become something else. But if we are stuck in the externals and surfaces and we look around at what other people own, it will often, if we're still stuck in externals, lead to some sort of misery. Because if we're stuck solely in ownership, if I own this, and then, then I don't own that. If the sole way we're evaluating our life is what we own, then quite quickly it devolves into a limiting particularity. It's like, I have this, they have this, that. They seem to have more. I would like more. They have more, which must mean it was taken from me. Instantly we can find ourselves sliding into scarcity, into a view of the world based on scarcity. There's not enough, and apparently they have way too much, so they must have taken it from me. And those paths generally lead us uh, to an impoverished sense of soul and spirit. The other game, of course, to be playing when it comes to ownership and possession is whenever you see somebody who seems to own a lot, move into the possession field and celebrate. Celebrate what they have. Just celebrate. Wow that much came their way for whatever reason. Wow. See, if you move from ownership to possession, possessing everything, then look at all the goodness that came. That, now, they, they may be miserable, who knows, but play the, move to possession, uh, having nothing yet possessing everything. Move to possessing everything. And the joy that came their way, the abundance that came their way, yeah, possess it, celebrate it, affirm it. Try this, by the way, for people, especially if you find yourself um, jealous of somebody, look them in the eyes and say, I'm so happy for you. Do this. I'm telling you, it works. It like breaks the spell. It like shakes you out of your insanity because scarcity always creates some form of insanity. Instead of how come they always get the breaks, move to, wow, it went well for them then. Because what happens then is it begins to open up and widen all the possibilities for you. So you can read it as, how come that didn't come my way? Or you can read it as, wow, if that came their way, imagine what could come my way. You see, you're moving from scarcity to abundance. You're moving from not enough to plenty. So that's why this man who's been beaten, tortured, at moments, he's been close to death. He's lived through riots. He says, man, we are so poor. 
yet we've given ourselves to others and that strangely makes them rich in all the best ways, all the ways that actually matter. He's not talking about money there. He's doing like this really clever thing. Yeah, yeah. Poor, well, in the, in the terms of like money poor, we're, not, we're, we're pretty poor, but like, but making people rich in the ways that matter, man, we've gotten good at that because have we, we have nothing and yet we possess everything. It's like he says uh, at the beginning when he says like, we commend ourselves to you. It's almost like you can, there's like this subtle note underneath the whole passage there in the poetry, which is we've come to help you wake up to all that you actually possess, all the good and the true, all the hope and the grace, all that you actually have. There's this difference between materiality and presence. Materiality just means stuff, materials, stuff, things, objects, essentially what, what, what the world is made of. There's materiality, but then there's your presence to your life. There's your presence to the depth and richness and complexity and mystery of your life in this moment. This is the odd thing that's happening right now in the midst of uh, this rising death toll and this economic crisis that we are in is lots and lots and lots of people are in their homes with the ones they love. And in the midst of all of this turmoil and anxiety and stress about where this is all going, what's happening is literally millions of people are present to their life and to their love, to loves in ways they never were before. And discovering a richness and complexity and mystery to the simple act of having a meal, of simply being present with the ones you love. See, there's stuff, there's things, there's all that we've constructed of our life. And then there is our presence. Possession is in the presence. The more present you are, you bump into somebody and they're telling you this great story. And it's their story, but in some ways, it's your story. You see that? Yeah. Do you see how having nothing yet possessing everything? You, you start to possess it all. You're thrilled with this. Is, by the way, people who are good storytellers, who have an encounter and then they come tell you, you're like, how come someone's so stories are so good? How come somebody, they tell stories and they, they're so delighted by the story and the story didn't even happen to them? Because it did. Because it did. They're telling you a story about what happened to someone else and you're like, how come it was so enjoyable to hear them tell that story about that event that happened to someone else? Because it happened to them as well. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, when you're present to others, their story is becoming your story. Yeah, so, so when you are struggling because you don't have a lot of hope, you've been present to stories of hope for years. So if you don't have it, just borrow someone else's. <laughs> if you're not feeling strong right now, then rest on someone else's strength. Yeah, if you don't have answers, well, no one has answers right now, honestly, but if you don't have answers right now, then lean on somebody who does, possessing everything. That brilliant painting hanging in your friend's house, yeah, possess it. 
Yeah, take all of the brilliance of it. Yours, affirm it. Yeah, own it. That's, they own it, but you, you, you can possess everything. See how interesting this gets? Yeah, yeah. Now let's back up to the very beginning of that section. I just pulled, like, I just picked the, the section at sort of a random moment where he says we commend ourselves. It's almost like he says to them, this gift that we're giving you, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've come. And if you read these letters, the other parts of the letters, he, he has a long history with these people. He's, he's trying to help them live essentially better lives, more in tune with the divine mystery, with the resurrected Christ. He's, he's trying to invite them into a, like a higher consciousness that sees love as actually the bass note that, under, that, that plays, that, that grounds all the music we're living in. But it's like he says, we commend ourselves. Yeah, he says, we're, we, we're giving you this gift, and sometimes it's really hard. Yeah, like I love that line, glory and dishonor. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's the highest of highs, and sometimes it isn't. Bad report, good report. Some people, he says, this gift that we're giving you, uh, this, it's like the gift that you give the world. Sometimes it's understood and sometimes it isn't. And, and you, you, the gift you're giving the world, what you're here to do, sometimes it's appreciated and sometimes it's ignored. Sometimes complete strangers are so grateful and the people closest to you uh, are, are upset. They have questions. They worry that you've gone off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying we're giving you this gift. We have nothing. We're possessing everything. And how our joy is not bound up in how it's received. Because if it is, our joy will come and go. Do you see that? Do you see what he's saying there? Saying having nothing and possessing everything. The gift is in the giving. Yeah, we're giving ourselves, we commend ourselves to you because that's where the life is for us. And we may be loved, we may be hated, we may be beaten, and that happened to, to this man and his friends. We may be imprisoned, we may be tortured, we may go without food. This thing doesn't always go great, and yet it's the giving. That's what grounds the whole thing. That's what grounds the whole thing. Here, here's the thing about you, my friends. Uh, and man, whew, this hits me right, whew, right in the heart. Uh, the gift that you give, it contains all of it. It contains all the parts you'd edit out if you could. <laughs> it contains all the parts you wish hadn't happened. It contains all the parts of it that you're like, man, I wish I had a second crack of that. I think I could do that part better. It contains the sorrow, the agony, the letdown, the disappointment, the heartbreak, the friend who got off the train. You know what I'm talking about? The friend who at some point was like, mm, I can't go where you're going. Or maybe the friend who you never even got to have that conversation, they just faded. Yeah, the gift that you give the world, it contains all of it. It contains all of it. So when you're thinking, who am I to do this? Whatever it is you're working on, whatever new work, whatever project, whatever thing you're trying, and you're like, yeah, but who am I to do this? You're you, you're all of it. You're like, yeah, but I don't, I haven't this, I haven't that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you haven't, but you're all of it. So in the giving of the gift, you just give all of yourself. For so many people, 
they've seen somebody do something really well. So they're like, well, I can't, I can't do it that well. So why, who am I to even try? Well, the thing is you haven't seen all of the other dimensions of that person's life. The person who does whatever that you're trying to do and they seem to do it effortlessly and they're like the best at it and wow, everybody's amazed by them. You, you haven't actually seen what else came with it. Yeah. Sorrow, agony, <laughs> riots, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. The moments of poverty, it's all in there. It's all in there. That's actually why you resonate with it. That's why these people move us who just freely give their gift to the world. Because actually it's all in there, whether they say it explicitly or not. So you, all the things that you do know about yourself that are holding you back from giving it, no, the, the gift contains all. That's what makes it such a great gift. When I meet people like, you know, I'm not perfect, so I don't really know what I'm doing. Wait, wait, do you think somebody is? <laughs> right? Or so I'll hear people say like, you know, I haven't really figured this all out, so who am I to say, what? Do you think, do you think somebody has? <laughs> you know, I've... I've kind of made a mess of things along the way. I, I don't know what, I don't know, what, or the word I hear often is legitimate. What's legitimate about, wait, wait, wait. Do, do, <laughs> do you think there are people out there who haven't made a mess of things from time to time? Do you think somebody had like a straight path and never once just wandered way off into the deep weeds? No, the gift that you give the world contains all of it. By the way, side note to all of you who are leaders right now, you're trying to figure out what to say to the people you lead. You're trying to do your usual strong thing, your usual beautiful vision and helping everybody together lock arms and march into a new day. All that thing that you do, you see what the leadership trap is. The leadership trap, and this is what you're really good at, dear leaders. <laughs> dear leaders from Rob Bell, here's what's so great about you. You're able to see the future when others don't. You can see the next step when it's a bit fuzzier for everybody. That's why you're a good leader. But here's the thing. There are elements about this moment no one knows. No one knows where this thing is headed. No one knows what 2021 is going to look like. No one knows what the rest of 2020. Even the experts are making expert, educated guesstimates at best. So here's the thing right now is you have lots of leaders who are locked up because they're like, what do my normal, my normal mode, my gears, my muscles aren't working like they normal do. Yeah, yeah, but the gift you give contains all of it. So just give that gift. You don't know where this is headed? Then say it. You're as unnerved as everybody else? Say it. What a gift. Yeah, solidarity may be the greatest gift you can give at times. And especially if you're that super organized, really impressive, up before dawn, right? You're that person who you've always had like a clear, your thing is clarity. Yeah. So just, just embrace all of it. You have some clarity, but you also have giant question marks and you're just figuring out as you go and it's new territory and it's terrifying. Embrace all all of it. Give the whole gift. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. And sometimes the gift we give is we just say, hey, usually you have a sense of what the next step is right now. I'm just like you watching to see what it is. That may be the greatest gift you give. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, a couple more thoughts here in this sermon called Nothing and Everything. 
There's a paradox here in all this. There's an interesting thing happening in this bit of it feels like a it feels like a poetry, but reaches reaching this crescendo, having nothing and yet possessing everything. A whole world of opposites are sitting side by side. It's like we're dying and yet we live on. We're beaten and yet they haven't killed us yet. It's like agony and ecstasy. It's like joy and prolonged torture. <laughs> it's like clarity and great confusion. And he doesn't say it's this or it's this. He doesn't choose. He lists them all. It's like all a run-on paragraph in which they're all just sort of melded together. That, that creates a tremendous expansion of the self and the soul to include even this. Do you see what he's doing? There's a non-duality. He doesn't pick. Hey, man, it's going really well. Hey, man, it's going really bad. No. He says in good report and bad report. Do you see this? Do you see the, the transcendent beauty of what he's doing here? As he steps all the way into the paradox, we commend ourselves to you all of it, all of it. Like this moment that we're in right now, a rising death toll, financial ruin for some, tremendous stress about health and wealth and work and school and summer and travel and kids, and business, and what are we going to do about, right? All of that is happening right now. And at the same time, new depth, new imagination, anger about systems that have failed us, and building commitment to build better systems, right? You see, all it's all happening at the same time time, it's both terrifying and, and has elements that are incredibly invigorating. It is overwhelming and uh, ra it's ra what is it, rageifying, <laughs> producing rage on unprecedented levels, and there, there's uh, a subtle elegance and simplicity for many people in this sort of stripped-down life that is awakening them to new possibilities and new ways all of it, all of it, all of it. The, the paradox here is in all of it. It's like, it's like this section has this empowered embrace of the full spectrum of experience. It's accepted in its intensity and its depth. No denial, no avoidance. He isn't thrown off by the emotion of the day. Just lets it be what it is. Man, it feels like we just beaten here. Hey, but they haven't killed us. <laughs> Man, we are poor. Yet, yet, we're, we're, we're making people rich in the ways that matter. Waking them up to the possessing of everything. Yeah, yeah. So however we're feeling this day, this is just how we're feeling. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're possessing everything. We possess all 
of it. All of it. One thought, my friends. Uh, we're all heading into unknown territory together. And one of the things we can only assume is that this territory that we're heading into for a while now is going to be dominated by what's been lost. GDP, stocks, the Dow Jones, jobs, money, uh, employment. These are very real. These are very real crises. But we are, we, we, we are moving into a period where materiality is taking a beating, stuff, possessions, paychecks. And we have been in a system that has a deep and long-standing addiction to ownership. Consume, buy, spend, accumulate. You're seeing these pictures, right, of people um, posting pictures of the purges they've been doing of their houses because they've been in their houses and apartments for months now and realizing, I don't need all these possessions. So my family and I were already saying, like, oh, our local goodwill is going to be just piled to the roof with, with stuff because people are going to be giving away stuff. Yeah, because everybody's reevaluating a world that has been built around accumulation and ownership. It's all stuff and very little soul. And what's happening in this great upheaval that we are in is people rediscovering, oh, ownership and possession. Possession is something about a state of your soul, a largeness of spirit that inhales the goodness of life as you encounter it in all its vast depth and variety. Yeah, and, and perhaps there's going to be less than ever. But what we know is that less sometimes can lead to more. Owning less, but possessing everything. So hold this close to your heart, this phrase, possessing everything, and see if it doesn't put... And ownership is necessary and needed. We need stuff to, you know, obviously... But see if this have, having nothing yet possess, having a few things, owning what I need to own, and yet possessing everything. See if this doesn't open you up, move you to levels of appreciation, levels of absorption, new depths of presence to the goodness of life. See if, doesn't, see if this doesn't do something to you. When someone's telling you a story, ask yourself, possessing everything, ask them follow-up questions. Find out more about the story. As you hear them tell the story about them, think about it as your story as well. Ooh, I'll take some of that. Yeah, there's some good in there. I'll take it. Oh, there's some energy in there. I'll take that. Oh, there was some abundance in there. I'll take that. Yeah, take that at like a level of spirit and soul and see if, see if all sorts of other things don't align themselves in mysterious ways. Yeah, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Whew. You know what? I really enjoyed giving that sermon. So I hope it does something to you. Hope it opens you up. Hope it helps. It is always a joy to do another one of these Robcast episodes. And so now, my friends, wherever you are, Whatever you're going through, however you find yourself, 
May grace and peace be with you now more than ever.